Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Before we jump into today's guest, I want to talk to you a little bit about On and Off Beverage Week events that we have scheduled from June 13th to 15th in Orlando, Florida. This includes our annual Beverage Alcohol Retailers Conference, which our guest was the keynote speaker of last year, put on by Beverage Dynamics Magazine from June 13th to 15th. Bark, as we call it, is the only off-premise retailer event in the industry. It's for independent retailers, large and small, with three days of high-level education and valuable networking. Beverage Week also includes our Cheers Beverage Summit, June 13th to 15th, put on by Cheers Magazine. Intended for on-premise beverage executives, this event includes product and resource discovery, cost-saving ideas, best practices, thought-provoking panels, and unique networking opportunities. We hope to see you all there. Getting into our podcast today, we're going to be talking some more about improving diversity and inclusion in the alcohol industry. And our guest is TJ Douglas, founder and CEO of the Urban Grape Wine Store in Boston. That's right. TJ and his wife Hadley founded the Urban Grape in 2010. And not only is it a Black-owned and woman-owned small business that's dedicated to build a community through beverage, it's also one of the most successful independently-owned wine stores in the U.S. Welcome, TJ, and thanks for being here. Melissa, thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right. So the Urban Grapes missions expanded beyond selling wine, you know, after the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, we've been uh, a retailer for 10 years, actually, yeah, actually 12 years now. And um, we've always pushed for inclusivity um, and equality and equity in our business uh, and in our industry. And we were trying for probably a, a good five years before the uh, BLM protests here in Boston to create a program at Boston University's uh, Metropolitan College Elizabeth Bishop School, which is their wine certification course. Uh, we're trying to do that to bring people into this amazing industry that we all call, you know, passion and home and work. And, uh, you know, Urban Grape and being, you know, third year in a row, uh, Beverage Dynamics Top 100 Retailer, uh, we have a certain level of, um, of staff that need to be employed at the Urban Grape to give the customers the most uh, honest and transparent and educated um, answers to all of their questions and best possible service. And that is not going to happen with someone without any wine education, nor will it happen with any, without any wine um, or hospitality experience. So the, uh, after the murder of George Floyd, and BLM here in Boston, um, it was really the, the one, the tipping point, but also the catalyst to really push forward uh, the movement that we wanted to create. And that was the Urban Grape Wine Studies Award for Students of Color, uh, where we started that off in June of 2020 with our first cohort of, uh, of two students. And um, it's, it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, they've gone through the course, which is a, a one-year four-level course. And uh, at the same time, they'll do internships, paid internships, uh, on-premise, off-premise, and wholesale, and to get really the best uh, education and experience. And um, this, this last cohort spent some time in Sonoma, 
and cohort three applications are actually open until March 15th. Uh, cohort three, they actually will have um, students uh, working at a uh, custom crush facility, uh, Ross Road, uh, right up there, uh, Road in Sebastopol from Mary Edwards. Uh, they'll be working there for three months, learning how to farm and harvest and bottle and, you know, just make wine. And it's going to be really absolutely wonderful. That's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about how you're raising money for this wonderful scholarship. Yeah, Kyle. So uh, it was actually all through our community. We we uh, we started raising money in the beginning of June uh, of, uh, of 2020. And then we actually stopped raising money for this program uh, eight months later when we uh, hit almost $250,000. Wow. And uh, we raised so much money so quickly that Boston University asked if we could do two students uh, through their program as opposed to just one. And um, yeah, it's been great, but we, we purposely did not have any corporate asks. Uh, these were, we wanted to save the corporate ask for when we turn this into uh, a foundation and bring this on a national level. Um, but the, uh, the donations, it was all, it was all from our community. Some, and, and when I speak of our community, I mean, maybe it was some customers, maybe it was some people that don't even shop with us that felt that, that their dollars, um, would be appreciated and well used, uh, or it could even be some, from some of our vendors, um, and some of our, uh, you know, our B2B partners and some donations were $5, some were 5,000. And it was just absolutely awesome. And I like to, I'm so proud of, of us and this program, but also of Boston University. Uh, it was the quickest um, path to endowment in Boston University's history as an institution. Really? Yeah, they created this endowment um, so quickly. They created um, the, uh, the, the, the path to actually make a donation, right? Uh, but also it was the, uh, it was the fastest turnaround to approval from the uh, board of trustees uh, to even have this created. So, you know, that just speaks um, volume to uh, Boston University understanding um, the need for this. Absolutely. You know, and that's fantastic. And, and we, we probably also mentioned, I don't know if we said early on, this is the second part of a two-part podcast series on improving diversity and uh, inclusivity in alcohol. Part one, we spoke with Jamal Robinson of the New England Brewing Company in Connecticut, who also set up a scholarship, his through Sacred Heart University in Connecticut. And it was the exact same thing. As soon as he proposed the scholarship, they put it together, you know, instantaneously. Like you said, that really speaks to, I think, the higher institutions understanding the need for this. Absolutely. So you come from the hospitality side of the the wine industry, you know, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your experience there in regard to diversity or maybe lack thereof? Yeah, uh, you know, it was a it was a little bit one sided growing up in Vermont, uh, just due to diversity in the actual state of residence. Uh, but I started off as a fourteen year old dishwasher. Uh, did a couple years at McDonald's. Everyone should work in fast food, uh, where <laughs> you can point to menus with pictures on it and make people smile. Uh, <laughs> and then I, um, I got into uh, a bar and learned how to be uh, like a busboy and a bar back, and then eventually a bartender. And I moved to Boston. I'm 43 now. Uh, I moved to Boston when I was 21, I think, uh, in 2000. And uh, that's where I thought it would actually be diverse. Uh, where I would see more people like me. And, and it really wasn't unless you were, you know, in the back of the house and you had brown skin and spoke a different, you know, and English was not your first language uh, or even your second language. Um, you know, that, that, that's where the diversity was, you know, it was really just in the back, but it was, 
it was more segregation as opposed to diversity. And so, you know, um, when I moved to Boston, I was always in the front of the house, whether it was being a doorman or a server or a trainer or a bartender or a general manager. Um, and uh, I always wanted to, you know, make our staff more diverse and more diverse in terms of, of age, of sexual orientation, of, of race, of gender. Uh, and I was able to do all of that really except for race, you know, and it's really hard to hire more black and brown people uh, when they're not applying, right? Mm-hmm. When they don't know that, that a position available could be for them, why? Because they don't see anyone that looks like them, right? Because everyone that looks like them is in the back of the house in front of a dishwasher or a hot stove behind a closed door, right? And so it was really uh, until I, got to um, open up the Urban Grip in 2010, where we actually had full control of who we hired. But even at that point, you know, for a while, I was the only person of color in my own company. And it was because brown and black people weren't in the wine industry, you know, in 2010. And, you know, they are, and I'm talking, speaking um, specifically of of the Boston area, you know, here in Boston, we really try to make an effort. And that's, that's the point of the program. You know, it comes from a from a place of, okay, well, if we can use our platform and create an opportunity to educate people, give people practical work experience, and then um, give them access to like C-level mentorship, then what's that gonna do? That's gonna increase the pool for the workforce, right? So it's gonna be a generation, you know, I say a generation, like a work generation might be a couple of years from now, but in a couple of years, restaurants, wholesalers, um, retailers, wineries, uh, you know, wineries here on the East Coast will be able to have access to more brown and black applicants. Uh, and that's what this program is about. You know, it, it started immediately, but it was, it was years in the making. And it's, you know, it's not an overnight fix. I am proud to say that our first two, uh, our first two students who hail in Amanda, you know, they both uh, graduated a couple months ago and uh, they both got like crazy jobs like not even jobs, careers. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what their, their packages were um, for, for all the listeners out there, but it was life-changing. It was an opportunity to really create generational wealth um, so much that Suhail uh, actually was relocated, meaning the company actually pays to bring her to them um, from Roxbury, Massachusetts in Boston uh, to Napa Valley and she's working at Trois Noir uh, Winery uh, with Jamie Araujo and her crew. Like that is insane, but that's what this program is about. And now when someone goes to a tasting room or receives a, a newsletter or goes onto IG, they're gonna see one more brown or black face that they have not seen before. And eventually, Melissa, this is just going to be organic, right? This is just gonna happen because there'll be more of us to hire because more of us will see people like us in the industries that we previously didn't know existed. Right. And like, even for the people that have broken through, it's changing that culture as well. You know, the, the wine industry in particular has been under mm. fire for racism, sexism, you know, they're not used to seeing a Somali, I can 
can never say this, sommelier um, of color at a restaurant. Yeah. Can you send the wine director over at the tasting yeah. room? You know, so and, and 10, 15 years ago, they couldn't, they wouldn't see a, a wine director or a psalm in a skirt. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A business right. suit. And yeah, it wasn't right? good when they did. But... Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody grew up around Boston, you know, when you say the career path of Roxbury to Napa, I mean, that honestly gives me chills. How many people mm -hmm. can say they've had a career path that goes from Roxbury to Napa? That That's really incredible stuff. That's, that's groundbreaking kind of stuff, yeah. just so the listeners understand there. Um, and, you know, uh, to tie this back into part one of this as well, um, we were talking to Jamal and he said, it's funny, I, I, this thing happens all the time. I love it when... People come up with great ideas independently, and they're almost identical. You and Jamal came up with almost the exact same <laughs> idea, scholarship, everything, and the language in both of them is almost identical. The idea, again, with his scholarship and your scholarship is just increasing the sheer number of people so that when you look around, you see more people like yourself and understand right. that, oh, yeah, you do belong there. And obviously, everybody belongs in, but like you said, when you don't see other people like yourself, it's much harder to feel comfortable, harder to feel like you belong. So I you know, again, to me, these just strike me as the way to go about. It. And I, I, you know, I, I applaud both of you for what you're doing. And I think you're going about it the right way. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, the fact that this is an endowment, this is going to be here 50 years from now. And that's awesome, you know, because what's happening. And I think, Kyle, you and I have talked uh, about this offline before. I think probably last year at Bark that, that, you know, a lot of these um, programs um, and, you know, foundations and organizations all came to light in June of 2020. And they all came from a, a, a great place and came from the heart um, and came with intentionality. But so many of them came from, hey, we need to make change. Let's create this now, as opposed to, you know, me and Hadley and, uh, and with Jamal, with his program, is that this has been years in the making. The reason that we didn't start this years ago is because we're still a small family business. And, yeah. you know, when you have extra cash, you reinvest it in your business, you, you know, you might not be able to, you know, create a, a program that's a not, that it's a charity program. Right. Um, and so, you know, we just made the stand to be like, you know what, the time is now. And the, the time has always been now, but the time is now for the money, for the raising of the money, because the communities, their, their eyes, their ears and their wallets are open at that moment. You know, and because we didn't just come up with this, right? It was years in the making. It's going to show that that our program and a, and a handful, not all of them, but a handful of our of the programs um, are going to be sustainable and last for a very long time. And I've already seen some of them have started to fade off, which is unfortunate because they came from such a great place. Yeah. You know, so I appreciate um, you know this two series podcast from you guys because this keeps the conversation going and it, it, it will still keep it top of mind, which it has to be, you know, because when you stop talking about it, that's when it can easily get faded um, and, and, you know, fall by the wayside. Absolutely. And speaking of keeping things top of mind and keeping them going, where can people go to donate or if they want to become more involved? Yeah. So you can go right to our, our, uh, our, what is it? Our, our learn page, uh, on our website, so theurbangrape.com or urbangrape.shop. But you can also go right to Boston University um, and donate directly through the endowment there. Our, our page just brings it to there. So, um, and you can learn about it and articles from, you know, Beverage Dynamics. You can learn about it from articles from New York Times or 
Food and Wine magazine and applications uh, for cohort three, cohort two is currently um, in the program with us. Uh, with cohort three, they close on March 15th and the summer session, or the session begins, I believe in September. Sorry, go ahead, Melissa. Um, you know, I think most companies want to do the right thing and are at mm -hmm. least, you know, beginning to understand the importance and benefits of hiring and training and promoting people of color. But what are some of the steps, you know, to take to just start, you know, ensuring, you know, success as they, you know, try to diverse, diversify the workplace? Yeah, well, I think, I think and that's a great question. I think first you need to, you know, look at yourself, right? You can't, you got to look at your own backyard before you look at your neighbors, right? And, you know, you really need to do an, an audit of your, of your company's uh, culture. Like, what is your company culture? You know, uh, do people feel safe? Do people feel included? Do people feel seen and feel heard in your company? Whether it is, and this could be, you know, at a law firm, whether it's, you know, an intern, you know, just doing paperwork or whether it's a partner, do both of them feel um, supported and, and heard and part of the community? And here at the Urban Grape, you know, whether it's my director of urban affairs or our event side of the company, whether it's our general manager, um, whether it's you know me, the CEO, or whether it's our delivery driver or our gift wrapper, right? Everyone has a voice. And so you have to do it, an internal audit. And then after that, you have to see where you have opportunity. And there's always going to be opportunity. And too many times, including ourselves in years past, we might not have as diverse company as we'd like because no one's applying. So what you have to do, you have to go out and find people. You have to go meet people where they are, right? Go into communities, create job fairs, um, go on things like uh, Boston Chefs to see where there are restaurant openings, you know? Um, people have to be, you have to work hard to make a diverse company, right? Because if not, you're just gonna hire the people that, are, that live next door to you and hire the people that you went to school with. And a lot of those times, those aren't diverse places. You know, um, and you have to be intentional with it. And the thing is, you also have to understand that it's not an overnight, um, you know, it's not an overnight thing, right? Like you're not going to be like, okay, well, only 2% of our company uh, are women. So tomorrow we need to hire women. Well, first we need to go out and make sure that the woman is a great fit for our company based on experience and knowledge, right? And then if there's an opportunity to hire her or someone else, well, what's going to be better for our company culture, right? And what I've seen, and I saw this, um, you know, in 2020, where a lot of these big companies uh, were either very intentional on social media platforms with, you know, maybe uh, earmarking dollars or creating scholarships or funds or donating um, or creating internships for, you know, students of color in their programs. And then other people put a black square on their, on their Instagram for a day. And then other people didn't do anything at all and didn't even mention it. Right. And so the people that put the black square in the day, they did it because they felt that they had to, but they didn't, they didn't mean it, you know, and the people that didn't do it were probably maybe too scared of, of their board or their investors that what if I supported black lives matter, but like, is this going to affect me? And they made it, it was a very selfish thing to, to do by not talking about it. And so those are companies, I mean, today, whether you're, you know, 16 years old or, or, or 75 years old, we wrote, we're, we're trying to be very intentional with our spend. And when I say our spend, and Colin, you and I have spoken about this, um, with their spend, it's not just spending dollars from your wallet. 
it's spending your time, it's spending your energy. Like, what do you mm-hmm. want to think about? Who, what companies, what brands, right? Urban Grape is a brand. What brands do you want to support and why are you going to support them? You're going to want to support them because they support their people. Yeah, they, um, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but three new TV series have just come out that involve wine and aim to showcase diversity and inclusion. Um, it's Grand Crew on NBC, mm-hmm. Promised Land on ABC, and The Kings of Napa on the Oprah Network. Um, I have, they're all on my list. I really want to see them. I just haven't gotten to it. I was curious if you've seen any of them and, and how you think they're doing, if you have. No, I've, I've heard of two of them. I've heard of uh, the Promised Land. I think they're the ones in, in Napa, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But we finished uh, Yellowstone and we're watching Bel Air right now. So we only <laughs> have so much time in our day to watch TV shows. Uh, but, but with those, um, I know of two of them. I'm happy that they exist. I, I hope they, they, I hope they bring some, um, some truth and some trans- transparency to the, um, you know, to, to the industry. I hope it's just not, you know, bottles of Clodoval or, you know, Josh positioned just right so that the company sells more <laughs> wine, right? Because that's what happened. I mean, what was that movie or the TV show back in the day? It was um, Courtney, the woman from Friends. And she was on that like Cougar, Cougarville, Cougar, Cougar Town. Town. Cougar Town, right? And I think that put maybe like Clodoval on the map. Uh, and, you know, she always used to pour her wine, you know, to the very, very brim. And it was just funny how much they drank. And it's like, mm-hmm. like, that's not the wine industry. Mm-hmm. You know, the wine industry is farming and marketing and, and TTB and scholarships and, and people understanding that it's farming. And if you have a bad harvest, you can lose your farm and your family's business, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a bunch of you know, sommeliers or, you know, wine influencers going around talking about rosé all day. And so I hope that that's what those shows aren't showing. I hope they're talking about the realities of, you know, entrepreneurs, um, tradespeople, farmers, salespeople, marketing people, and, you know, the ins and outs. And, you know, for for our job in the hospitality is to let that, that guest or that customer come sit in at your table or, or shop in your store and feel comfortable and feel welcomed and feel that their time and their dollar is going to be well spent, appreciated there. But also you want to maybe take them away from whatever happened at work today, right? Or maybe something that didn't go as well as planned. You want to give them an experience and bring joy to their lives, even if it's for a half hour or 90 minutes during, you know, during a three course meal at a steakhouse, right? And what I, what I want to make sure is that, that, the hospitality side, that's our job to provide that experience. And if that's what the customer sees, we've done our job well, right? I hope it's not just, you know, sunshine and rainbows and unicorns on these shows. And again, that's saying it without, without seeing it, but I, I, hope they, uh, I hope they can get into it without just being all, um, uh, you know, I hope it's just, just not like a, um, like a housewives, you know, Hop, hop in a limo and go get drunk in Napa, you know, kind of show. Yeah, me as yeah. well. Uh, TJ, I didn't want to have you on this podcast without asking kind of uh, not not on the same subject, but on the subject of Urban Grape. I just sure. congratulate you guys again. You're a 2021 winner of the Dream Big Small Business of the Year Award yeah. from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, quite the accomplishment. Also, I wanted to mention 
Yeah, it was probably about a month later, I opened my issue of the New Yorker and who's in the first advertisement yeah. and that issue's New Yorker is you and your wife Hadley. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on both of those things. Just Thank what, you. what was it like winning the award and what was it like being in the New Yorker? So it, it, it was crazy because the, you know, to go to, to be the small business of the year for the United States Chamber of Commerce, that's absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. You know, we got the call and we're like, you're, you guys are finalists amongst many. And we're like, oh, oh my God, we're finalists. And you know what's great, Kyle? And I appreciate you asking this question. What's great about that is really for the last two years, it's always been how is it being Black in the wine industry? Mm. You know, how is it being a Black business owner? Um, how is it being a woman business owner or women in the wine industry? This was just like, congratulations. You guys are amazing business people, right? You guys have a great company culture. You have great books, you have great profits, right? And you do big things for your community. And it was just great to just get back to, to just being a great, you know, business as opposed to great being a black business, right? Because to me, that's, oh, that, that's like a, that's like an asterisk award. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, like a great, you know, woman sommelier. Well, how about just being a great woman sommelier or exactly. a great, you know, um, you know, gay CEO. Well, how about just being a great CEO, mm-hmm. right? And so winning just the business award, it was unbelievable, like so unexpected. And it really gave us some um, more confidence because, you know, in business and as entrepreneurs, sometimes, you know, you have to second guess yourself, you know, and sometimes your gut is not right, you know? And so when we get the validation from the United States Chamber of Commerce, um, I'm pretty psyched about that. And then the New Yorker, you know, like that same ad for First Republic Bank has, has also been in like, you know, GQ magazine and Va- Vanity Fair. And so we'll get these people that will like hit us up on, on our Instagram, which is at Urban Grape or mine is at Urban TJ. Uh, and it'll just be like a picture of us in like Vanity Fair. And we're like, oh my God, we had no idea. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. But it's one of those things, man. It's like, it's like to me, you know, wine brings people together. Beverages bring people together, you know, and whether it's an advertisement for being a small business with, with, with a bank or whether it's winning an award or whether it's doing something like the Wine Studies Award for Students of Color that actually has nothing to do with Urban Grape. It's not about us, right? All of those things were connected around wine and that's what's bringing people together. And that's what's, you know, having, uh, you know, opening the door and you know, bringing people to the table and letting people know that there is a table to have a conversation about. Absolutely. Um, well, we're about out of time for today. So I just wanted to say thank you so much, TJ, for joining us and um, best of luck with what you're doing. It's, it's really amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, you can find us at theurbangrape.com and at Urban Grape on all social media platforms. And Kyle, I will see you in Orlando this year at Bark. That's right. I'm looking forward to seeing you as always at Bark. We hope to see everybody uh, at Bark this year, June 13th to 15th in Orlando or at the Cheers Beverage Summit if you're a on-premise professional, also June 13th to 15th in Orlando. (laughs) And to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for our next podcast. Until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.